Hey, it's Turkey Week, March 11 through 17. Free shipping on all orders at First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store, too. You can pick up all the First Light gear that I wear in the Turkey Woods, plus so much more, including Meat Eater by Phelps Turkey Calls, which are straight up killers, and Vortex Red Dots at 20% off. We're going to get you set up for the turkey season. So set up, in fact, that all you have to do is focus on that tom. So head on over to TheMeatEater.com, March 11 through 17 for Turkey Week. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 134. I'm here with Phil, the engineer. Say hi, Phil! Hello, Ben. Good to see you, buddy. And you too. I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, me too. What have you been up to? I was on vacation. You were? Oh yeah. That was vacation? It was like, yeah, that was vacation. I didn't know. I'm not good You didn't inform me, no one informed me. I'm not good at vacations. Okay. Every time I'm on vacation, I still work and I never relax. Mm -hmm. That's a curse. It's a curse. What have you been doing? Uh, not a whole lot. I did the uh, the, uh, the the plebeians float on the Madison. Oh, yesterday with my with my lovely wife. That's nice. Just, you know, get away. That yeah. was fun. I haven't seen your wife in a while. How's she doing? Good. So yeah. It's a Christmas party. I felt like we her and I a had a connection. Ago. You think so? Yeah, like a well, it's a friendly connection. Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. But I got I, that. I felt like we could have had we could have be friends. Like we could hang out. It's possible. I'm not feeling. I'm not going to admit it. Like couples, I'm not going to admit that it's true. Couples de- time, like a couple's date. You've not met my wife. I haven't. No. See, now we're just peeling back the curtain. People think we're like best friends. No, we don't know anything. We about don't each know. Other. <laughs> we try to stay away from each other as much. That's as true. Possible. Well, one thing uh, that's for sure. We've had a lot of emails lately. My gosh, thanks for everybody. And and I'll I'll just start with a little bit of housekeeping for the Great American Outdoors contest. We got a lot of stuff going on. A lot of people have made very long, very intricate videos and uh, some poems. We got some poems, Phil. You'll like that. Uh, we got some interesting imagery. No illustrations as of yet, uh, but a lot of stuff in there. I wanna, I'm going to wait another week. to. Uh, we're going to go over the winners next week. Hopefully, the Great American Outdoors Act will be passed by the Senate, uh, by the House, sorry, by then, and we'll be able to celebrate as we give you guys your prizes, but good work to everybody out there that has emailed in already. But we still have a big a big deal going on. Uh, several people, including our friend Eric Hall, have written in to say that we have not talked about what Phil's hunt's going to be, what your first hunt's going to be. We dropped it. We made an excuses. We have avoided it. Uh, Phil, what do you, we, are we going to do it? Are we going to do this thing? I mean, it's it's inevitable, right? Is it? <laughs> I think it is. It's inevitable. All right. Well, yeah. we have a message to you from okay. Eric Hall. Oh, can't wait. Hey, Phil. Ben, Eric here. Yeah, I'm listening. Jump in here and send Phil a little uh, message. Get him motivated. Get him pumped up. Get him up to a six or seven anyway. Phil, you got a tremendous opportunity. Phil, I can I don't really know what it is to be... An onset hunter, adult onset hunter. I kind of grew up doing it, so it's different for me. Different for me to think of how to motivate you. I think Ben, too, other than get you out there and do it, hope you get a little adrenaline, get you a little confidence. Mm. 
what a tremendous freedom to be able to go out there mm. and just even walk around in the woods by yourself. Hunt. <laughs> freedom. Go poop. Be able to do it. Enjoy the public lands. So like Eric's turning left. Yep. There. <laughs> I hope you'll seize it. I mean, I'd love to hunt with a meat eater crew. So you've got a great opportunity to hunt with a meat eater crew. So jump on that thing, get in there, get motivated. Y'all get something planned up despite this COVID thing, and let's hear about it. All right, listen, enjoy the show. Appreciate y'all. Any response officially? Wow. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm more proud than ever to be able to get out there and enjoy my freedom on public lands. <laughs> it seems that Eric was mostly interested in your motivations. That's As true. you said, your number is go, slowly going up. What He wants you to be more excited. He wants you to be as excited as he might be or many other listeners would be to get to hunt with the likes of it's not it's uh, not lost on me that i am uh i'm i'm privileged to be in this situation mm -hmm. you know uh i i i just gotta get out there man you gotta do it i gotta do it i don't let's talk i don't know if my number can go much higher until i'm out there let's talk about it for a minute okay let me. I, I got to talk to you about tiki drinks later. Maybe after <laughs> after the interview. Now, the, now we're uh, talking. Yeah, I got a tiki drink mishap <laughs> last week during vacation. Oh no. Um, I think we should talk about like what do you want to do? You want to just go all in? Because I could take you on like a pretty gnarly backcountry deer hunt. I feel we got to start you with a rifle. What is that? Okay. Why? Why do you feel that way? It's a more efficient killing tool. Mm hmm. Um, it, it'd be easier for you to learn. Archery is is definitely a craft that takes a while to learn. And in terms of its efficiency as a killing tool, you have to get much closer. Although archery elk is probably the tip top experience, but I I don't want to spoil you at the beginning. No, that. you know what? I mean, I, I know you I know you, I know you want to do this sooner than later, but I was I, f I I just I feel like I need to work my way up to that to deer. Maybe not. To I mean, deer. I know that's a lot of people's first experience. Yeah, I think it. it if you want to work your way up to, I give you a few other options. You could go grouse hunting. We could go grouse hunting. Sure. That's fun. Mm -hmm. uh, we could go duck hunting. That's also fun. Pheasant hunting, really any upland bird. There's dogs. There's you know plentiful, bountiful meats you have to learn how to shoot anyway. You got to learn what is a rooster, what is a hen, all these types of things. Sure. So you have to just, you have to give me, uh, give me some clues here. What are we, birds? The birds I think, easier? I think ducks sound, sounds fun. Ducks. Okay. I don't think you're that into from what you talk about. I don't know if you're a big upland bird guy. I like it all. Okay. I like it all. I would say I spend more time on the big game side these days, but I love duck hunting. I love upland hunting. And so if you want it, you want it to be a duck hunt, that'll give us all fall to talk about it and build it up and then record it, say like December. Okay. You feeling that? Yeah. Plans may change, but how about we count on that for now? Count on that for now. Okay. Sure. That's exciting. Eric Hall. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to you now, bud. I'm going to need you to think about some books that Phil needs to read for duck hunting. We're going to think about, you know, some conservation groups he needs to join, some banquets he needs to attend, probably social distancing this banquets. sounds very involved now. I'm just <laughs> having second thoughts. Yeah. Phil, having Listen, second you keep building it. The more you build it up, then I just think you're, you're, you're putting it too high. The pedestal's high. Maybe. Keep maybe, it low. Maybe. You just, at this point, maybe you get your hunter safety course, and then I'll just come and get you one day and be like, let's go. 
Oh, sure. It, yeah. In the truck will be all the things you need uh-huh. to get done. At 4 a.m., I'll hear a pounding on yeah. my window. <laughs> I'll have speaking to you. I've spoken to your <laughs> wife, who will be one of my friends. Sure, I'll say, yeah. hey, set this up where Phil is just... Okay. I'm uh, standing over him in the night. Uh, I said, I tap him and I say, Philip, shotgun in hand. Yeah, <laughs> Philip, get out of bed. Get out of bed. <laughs> There's ducks to be killed. All right. Well, either way, we'll record it all. Uh-huh. Uh, I could see the beginning of that podcast just heavy breathing in the bedroom and you, get out of my house, man. What are yeah. you doing? I'll be very, very real, very unscripted. Okay. Yep. Uh, we can do it. All right. Well, now we have what everyone seems to be really enjoying lately and what I am enjoying. Phil's favorite, the continuation, episode two. We're now we're now acting like this is its own little mini show. Episode two of season two mm. of Work Sharp's Not So Sharp Moments. Play the jingle, Phil! Work Sharp, Not So Sharp Moments, Sharp So You Don't Have to Be. Season two! Yeah! All right. Uh, Phil, we haven't talked about your season two little mm-hmm. ditty there. What do you yep. what do you have to say to the people about the cat at the end gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just thought it was the those are the right choice. It was the right choice to make. Yes, I, I wanted to set the stage properly. This is not season one. This is on a whole new level. You did well, and we're going to do better this year. We promise. Well, thank you to Workshop for supplying the prizes for all of you. You'll get a Workshop field sharpener for all of you that we select. If you have some time, go to Workshop's YouTube page and check out the Workshop Workshop. Like that, the Workshop. Workshop. Workshop, workshop. It's a weekly hot tip show about knife sharpening. So if you want to go over there, check that out. But this week's, I went through, I just went through about an hour of reading Not Sharp Moments. One of my favorites was a guy uh, took a THC gummy on his way into camp. Different THC. Yeah, different THC. Gotcha. We should have gummies. I still believe that we could sell lots of gummies. Uh Uh-huh. Just gummy bears. Yeah. Do not take them while hunting. No. No. This guy, he was also, he took them hiking into camp and then got scared that the police were at camp and freaked out and got it's really coming. pale and eventually made it and killed an elk. But <laughs> I didn't select that one. And I'll tell you why, you know, I'll tell you why, Phil, because I've been fishing a lot with my boy, my my three-year-old boy, James. And he, we've been slaying the bluegill. You know mm. what bluegill is? A fish. little panfish. Yeah, I've caught one before. You caught Oh, my God, really? On the ice. Wow, all on the ice. It's one of the three fish that I have caught. <laughs> that's Stephen Ranella fellow, I bet. Yep, actually, yeah, that's true. Bastard. <laughs> um, so we've been catching a lot of bluegill. This last weekend, my parents were in town. We we caught eight bluegill in one little session, and then we made little. I made little uh, bluegill fish sticks. They were delicious. Mm. So I've been thinking a lot about. Sounds good. Bluegill. I'm trying to get real good, and this is that's why Steve Smith's email piqued my interest. So listen up, Phil. Okay. I am very excited to hear this year's cornucopia of not-so-sharp moments. And it's true, there will be a cornucopia. I have my own to add to the pile. This story is not about myself being dull, but my close friend. But in the end, I may be guilty by association. So, Phil, be prepared to judge this gentleman, Steve, based on his actions. That's really what not-so-sharp moments it's about. It's about judging others. Shouldn't be tough. It's about judging others. During the summer of 2007, after high school graduation and before heading off to college, my best friend and I spent some some of our time doing one of only a few things, working on houses for my dad, trying to be badass radio cowboys all over the western U.S., and, of course, fishing. We had recently transplanted several large bluegill into a pond on my parents' property, mostly for aesthetic reasons. 
We love to toss in grasshoppers and worms to watch the fish eat their hearts out and would occasionally partake in some catch-and-release fishing at home. Seems very Americana thus Mm -hmm. far. Seems very nice. One evening, while being generally up to no good, my friend and I were trying to blow up anything we could find with small firecrackers. Black cats, to be exact. Phil, do you have any experience with black cats? Yeah, some. Uh, I do. I've, I've put them in mailboxes. I will... Is that illegal? Yeah, absolutely. Cut that out. Okay. Okay. And we may or may not have raided my dad's beer fridge. So he set the scene. Again, Very a very American young boy experience, assuming he's not really, he's a, a young man at this point. He's rolling around with firecrackers drinking beer. I would say that's a pretty good recipe for a not-so-sharp moment, Phil. My friend decides to see if the one black cat in a long string with a green fuse would truly go off underwater, like we had long heard rumor of. His water of choice was the pond that held our prize bluegill. I probably told him this was ill-advised, as the fish would eat most anything we threw in the water, due to the fact that all we threw in the water was generally things fish like to eat. He dismissed this warning, lit the fuse, and dropped it in the pond. My dad's largest and favorite fish promptly swam over and snatched the mouthful of explosives right up. In terror, we watched as an underwater explosion similar to that of a depth charge in a World War II action film ripped a tiny shockwave through the pond, immobilizing the pan fish instantly. With thoughts of both my soon-to-be angry dad and not wanting to waste the fish running through my head, I netted, filleted, and deposited the fish into the freezer. Then, took the leftovers and placed them in my mom's tomato plants. Oh. Yeah. Later that evening, the whistle was blown and our terrible deed was told to my dad via my older brother joking about how my friend should order fish when we went to dinner later that night. (laughs) I feel like if I'm the brother. Classic older brother move. Classic older brother move. (laughs) Like, we should have some fish sticks. How does that sound? Mm, Bluegill. Although thoroughly upset, my dad was able to eventually find humor in this situation, and using the fillets in a very nice batch of ceviche also helped his attitude toward the situation. I maintain my innocence in this not-so-sharp moment, but I will let you and Phil be the judges. Steve. P.S. I do not condone the use of explosives for fishing. In fact, I, I can see how, although a pure accident, this story could ruffle certain feathers. Thank you again. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you shouldn't be doing this, but that, that's you're in, in the trust tree here. You're in the nest. We know you're doing stupid things. Sure. We're it's prompting the, it's them. the whole, uh, you know, point of this operation. We're all we're telling here. the truth. Yeah. We're all telling the truth for the sake of humor. So don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it at all. Now, Phil, do you believe that uh, Steve has any guilt in this situation for allowing his friend to chuck explosives into the family pond? Uh, it's I, it sounds like he did. It sounds like I mean he tried he tried to hide it, but at least he you know at least he made uh made a meal, did some yeah. composting. <laughs> so it's like, if you make mistakes, <laughs> sure, the best thing to do is clean it up. Yeah, no, he made lemons out of a exploded lemonade <laughs> out of exploded bluegill. <laughs> yes, uh, that's I that's probably what I would do, Steve. As I think about what you did here, man, you know we've all been the part of peer pressure. Uh, I, Phil has heard lots of lots of peer pressure. Actually, Phil, you're pretty immune to peer pressure. I've tried to pressure you into many things that you you say no to. Yeah, yeah it just comes with age. Yeah, I, I, used, I used to want to look cool, and but then now, I realized uh, I'm already cool enough for me <laughs> for you. 
right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, Phil. We'll see. Uh, well, uh, Steve, you did well to eat the fish. You did well to help your mom's tomato plants, and you did well to own up to your misdeeds. And so for that, you get a WorkSharp Field Sharpener. Congratulations. Phil, play the jingle! Work sharp, not so sharp moments. Sharp so you don't have to be. Season 2! Yeah! We're getting a lot more not so sharp moments coming up this entire year. We got a bunch more of them to do, so please, please, please inundate Phil and I with as many stupid stories from the out of doors as you possibly can at THC at TheMediator.com. Again, if you want to be considered and you'd like to win, THC at TheMediator.com as soon as possible. Now, Phil, uh, before we get to the interview, we should talk about a little bit about who these folks are, and we have to, I have to apologize for last week. I, we said two episodes ago that we were going to have Ryan and Hillary Lampers on last episode, 133, but we had a, Jim Poswitz passed away, so I felt that I wanted to shift towards that to make sure we could give a proper tribute to Jim. And thank you for the number of you, many of you, that, that messaged me on Instagram and wrote emails um, thanking me for highlighting Jim and for playing that little clip at the end. Um, thank you to Phil for putting a little like ambient sound after the clip ended. Yeah, well, I felt weird going to silence, and it also felt weird cutting to the the song. Yeah, so I, <laughs> you did it right. Good. You made, it gave a lot of people. It gave a lot of people the feels. Again, if you are a big fan of hunting and ethics, and even this show, you should be reading Beyond Fair Chase. Doesn't benefit me at all to promote that, uh, other than it's a good piece of work. Hundreds of thousands of people have read it, and more should. Um, and so, thanks for all you guys for listening and and caring about Jim. Um, and his family. So before we get to Hillary and Ryan, a lot of this, you listen to this podcast, right? This interview? Yes. Phil, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. A lot of it is about marriage and hunting. How to, how to or really just marriage altogether. How, mm-hmm. to, how to be a reasonable, compassionate spouse. Um, so you have any thoughts on what you heard there, Phil? As you get into, you're going to be hunting soon, man. Like and you're gonna have oh, to yeah. deal with it. Oh yeah, and this. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago that it makes me nervous because, like I said, I feel guilty even just going to the grocery store for an hour, uh, leaving yeah. leaving my wife with the with the two kids. And I like <laughs> I, I also just want to appreciate how just honest uh, Hillary was and, mm. and 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 Ryan about their you know relationship to hunting and uh, how that affects their relationship. Yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a great conversation. I did too. I was surprised. You know, you go into those situations, you don't really know what you're going to get into. I know that Hillary and Ryan, each of them have um, different expertise. Ryan is is one of the best backcountry hunters in Montana or, hey, maybe across the country. Um, they've built their stealthy hunter platform on being um, uh, healthy and kicking ass in the backcountry. So it it certainly is interesting to have that juxtaposition but what i didn't intend and what i didn't think of is that we were going to be talking about their journey in their marriage and then what came of it certainly they are displaying uh, what classic gender roles right guy goes out hunting female stays home sure that's a classic way but there i'm certain there are many people listening like hey listen my mom was a hunter my dad stayed home or they both hunted together or all the different ways that this goes so certainly this is not meant to be a counseling session, but it was even for me as a young father, somebody who likes to go hunting for you, Phil, because you're going to be 
once you get to like eight or nine on the excitement scale, then you're going to have to deal with this. Your wife's going to be, what are you doing this weekend? You're like duck hunting with O'Brien and she's going to start, she'll probably start to resent me, which is going to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. So stuff to look forward to in like year five or six of your hunting journey. <laughs> it sounds like you've thought about this more than I have. <laughs> yeah, no, I've mapped you. I've mapped the next six years of our relationship. Okay, out. cool. Sounds good because uh, it's important to me. Uh, Ronella's really starting to encroach. Uh, <laughs> really. Uh, how was Tom Brokaw's ranch, by the way? Oh, uh, it was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yes. How's he doing? It's right by a creek, views of the of the mountains. Uh, is, he, is he doing good? Yeah. No. Yeah. He's 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 doing good. He's gone through his uh you know bout of health issues, but um still still kicking. Great stories. <laughs> Yeah, listen to the Meteor Podcast, Tom Brokaw, coming up at some point in the near future. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but Ryan and Hillary Lampers coming up right now. You're going to hear a lot about their life. Please listen. Hopefully it helps you with, with even, even if it's not your marriage with other people in your life that have to sacrifice because you love to go hunting. It is a huge deal. No matter your gender, no matter your marital status, it doesn't really make much of a difference other than the fact that we're all trying to balance what we love to do outside the disconnection that we have which which at some you know essence is kind of why we do it and then at the same time wanting to make sure our family friends and loved ones know that we appreciate them too and we're not trying to run off and be away from them for long periods of time and then maybe how you can craft a life where everybody can go together so something to think of on episode 134, please enjoy one of my favorite conversations in quite a while, Ryan and Hillary Lampers from Three Forks, Montana. Hillary and Ryan, what is up? How's it going, Ben? You know, we got to act like we haven't been talking for two hours. <laughs> I know. It's a little difficult. It's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Like, that's a weird thing about podcasting. Like I said, yeah. just... You almost want to just people a headphone when hand you us the sets when in. you yeah, walk in. Just walk in and then just start talking. But then we'd have to be sort of connected the whole time. The whole time. Then like it'll be, yeah, around. social distancing probably wouldn't be. <laughs> but we'd have to be we had a great conversation though. Hell yeah, we wish we would have recorded that. Yeah. And that's it. I that's know. it, guys. We're done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're here. Yeah. I usually like to, when we do, when we're in the studio too much, as I was telling you guys, way too much in our studio. So it's nice to be out and be cool. in well, three forks. Thanks for coming over here. Um, can you guys describe where we are? Gosh, we Give are a shot. out Three Forks, Montana, kind of out in the prairie. Um, we love our new place. I mean, we, we, for folks that know our story, we come from Washington State and uh, kind of West Coast there, green all the time. Um, Big trees. Totally different of, than here. Lots of rain. Like this is, we don't have a tree on our property. I was telling you, Ben. Like, uh, when we first got this place where we got this picture, like, okay, well, we'll just turn this place into what we had back there. We'll plant some trees. We'll grow a garden. It's going to be great. Build our greenhouse. A lush jungle. A lush jungle. Fruitful. We have a per permaculture. Like, yeah. we, what were you calling it? Like, the um, regenerative agriculture. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Oh, no worries. Uh, easy. And we just put a few trees in, like, two weeks ago. <laughs> We tried to dig pencils, and, we're like and we were like and praying that they get enough water to to actually grow. Yeah, yeah last to... spring we dug fence poles for our garden, foot fence post holes. We hadn't planted a garden yet because we were going to put the fence up. You couldn't even dig half. A I got foot a great workout though into <laughs> the soil because it's pure clay. Pure and then clay. we were like, we are toast. Yeah. We are not going to be able to plant anything in the ground. Well, there's, it's, yeah. So like where we're at, we're out in the prairie. There's no trees anywhere. It's a 
definitely a dry climate. Yeah. And uh, our property is overrun with grasshoppers at the moment, and they're just growing and getting bigger. So. Well, so what's the grasshopper strategy? Oh, man. So you can see today, I don't know if you noticed the chickens out wandering the mm. perimeter. We've just, like we planted about a month ago, and um, at our prior residence, we had slug issues. Chickens are pretty good with slugs. We had all these kind of traps and copper and stuff that we could keep the slugs off. Well, this hopper thing is totally new for us. And last year, we had an infestation. We thought, man, hopefully that was like this fluky thing, and it doesn't come around again this year. And right now, we've got these little quarter to half inch grasshoppers, <laughs> and there's a literally, I think, a billion of them in our yard, and they're already just crushing our garden. So the only really thing that we can think of doing is getting more birds, like more chickens. We got yep. more ducks this year and we're just turning them loose. Like we, we planned on building this kind of like chicken run around like a moat around our garden. And just this past couple of weeks, I've just let the chickens kind of take run of the yard and kind of train the dogs to not <laughs> kill them. And um, so they're out there. You'll notice they're out there just crushing grasshoppers all day. So we're hoping that makes a difference, yeah. but we won't know. Until. Is there a grasshopper rut? Do we know? We, my mom oh, said it's like three-year cycles. Oh, okay. So well, maybe she said, you're... you don't know, because we had it really bad last year, and that was our first year. So she said, you don't know if you're in the second year or the third year right now. <laughs> you're never going to know. Last Suspense. year, our dogs would try to like take a run through the yard, and they would just like slow down Blind immediately. You, like because smacking it, you in the face. Yeah, there's like this, this ocean is parted, and it's yeah. just grasshoppers flying everywhere. For everybody direction. that gardens that listen, I, I think like an increasing amount of people that hunt garden. Yeah. Thanks to you guys I in part, so. but I yeah. think thanks to a lot of just, it lines up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just a holistic way to, to eat. Absolutely. But I think for sure, you know, every gardener has that problem. We got voles in my house. Okay. Yeah. And that's our problem. Like, I got to go out and trap voles yeah. that's my <laughs> that's my daily thing but you had you guys had slugs in in washington grasshoppers here i'm 30 minutes away and i got voles i mean every we gardener has a battle yeah well right. it Absolutely. just goes to show you that there's creatures everywhere who are trying to survive as well and so right. you have to uh you have to compete with them if you want to take over their space well and growing your pretty own much food what's happening. Is, it, it sounds great and it's like got this romantic feel yeah. to it you know just grow your own garden you know you Fill that other side of the plate with the garden. But it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I look at my garden right now today, and I see like a week's worth of things that I should be doing out there. And, uh, you know, weeding and figuring all these things out. But uh, it's a ton of work, but it's so well worth it when yeah. you're like harvesting that stuff all summer. So. And I found out that, Ryan, you also, I hate Costco. Mm. They're not a sponsor. Thank God. <laughs> no. But I hate mm. them. Yeah, we we had to go a few times I try to because avoid it myself, of the man. summit. Yeah. We need a lot of food, and you can't buy it in bulk like that anywhere but Costco. You know, cost wise, unless you we ordered from Amazon like six months ago or whatever. But. Yeah, yeah. I like to torture myself every time I go. Like, oh, I went to Costco. <laughs> I gotta sadly eat a corn dog on the way out just yeah, to let myself know like this a isn't corn right. Dog and a piece of pizza. Yeah, a giant a piece of pizza. Well, and like you, Ben, I'm the same way. I I want to try to avoid any grocery store if at all possible. So yeah, the garden fits into that. Uh, the hunting yeah. fits into that. Try to fill both sides of the, the plate, canning, all those type things. As much as you can do to not have to go to the store as often, I want to do that. I'd yeah. rather do these things at home. And yeah. we were really close in Washington. We had a large greenhouse. Um, you know, growing season was basically from April and through November sometimes, depending on what the food was. Um, we 
we literally were by just buying staples at the grocery store. Um, and we thought we were going to replicate that here. It hasn't happened yet. We and you know, it's funny when soil. we first moved here, you know, talking about emails, we talked about emails yeah. earlier from listeners. I got an email from a woman who I think she'd lived up somewhere by Kalispell or something. And she had moved. She had moved to a different state. And she said, well, good luck growing cabbages in Montana because that's all you're going to be able to grow. I mean, she was like, seemed mad. It was like mad that we moved to Montana and that we were going to be screwed. Now we were not going to be able to grow anything. I, I, you know, I showed Ryan that email and I was like, geez. And now I, I almost feel like I totally understand. What oh, you're writing your back like, about. I'm with you. She knew something. I'm she writing, did. I'm like, oh, I'm writing those emails now to people. Stay out of Montana if you want to grow a tomato. <laughs> you can only Stay grow cabbage. Out Go to Missoula. Broccoli. Missoula, it has the hippie um, reputation and crunchy reputation because you can actually grow vegetables there. Which That's, true. Grow yeah. in That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, I think we laughed at that email. Originally, and yeah. now we completely understand. There, there are yeah. difficulties here that we test. never could foresee. Well, I saw. I was doing. I was looking around about you guys, and uh, I saw you at one point had a, a, a canning class that you did, or like a canning seminar. Yeah. We, yep, we, we did. have a book. We did a book. dehydration canning book, but we've also done talks on it to yeah. try to promote it and kind yeah. of talk about what it is. Um, we did a few little uh, seminars out in Yakima talked oh, about yeah, it we have we, uh, we have definitely talked we just kind of talked about the whole lifestyle people are very interested in this like fact that my husband i like don't look at me i am not the canner <laughs> in this family he is the canner like he he got into that years ago just from um a big thing that we don't like you know is, is food waste and as you probably know as well just having a podcast and talking to a lot of people Food waste is huge yeah. in our country, especially. We probably throw more food away than we actually consume. And so when you grow a garden and you have all this food, sometimes you, you know, for sure him, he's growing way more than we can actually eat as a family of four. So what we can't give away and what comes out, his thing was like, well, wasting this food or whatever, let's try to find ways. So like, you know, with the beets we have here, you know, that's was a great way we could keep our beets because beets are hard to keep all year round. You know, it's just, it got to potatoes, same thing. You'd start canning that. And then it just kind of became an obsession. And then it was like canning or preserving everything. And then we got into dehydration um, and keeping food that way. And he was mainly doing that for like his backcountry trips. Yeah. And, and then he got into this thing where like, I'm not buying any more backcountry food. I'm going to make all my own food. And so he's really into that. And then I did, I just did an ebook that we have on our website and I had just taken pictures for years of our gardens, of him, of us, um, and of all the food. And then we make the recipes and then it was like, oh, well, all these foods that we're using and the herbs and all the stuff we're growing, they all have medicinal value. And so then the book had like each food like what its medicinal properties were and why you would want it. And so that was kind of our very first attempt at, well, it's our first book and our last book so far. <laughs> Actually, it. he went um, <clears throat> elk hunting and that book came out in September. So you can imagine what I was doing all of September. So he wasn't doing a lot of marketing. Yeah, yeah, he was right. elk hunting. I was so doing research. I was pulling my hair out, creating an ebook <laughs> by myself about our garden. But Which, it's been very well received. I mean, you know, just little things like that to help people get more information. And 
while actually the food and the food preservation has become a really huge, huge piece of our platform, which we didn't, we, we had no idea it was going to be that big. Yeah. I mean, you guys talk about it. You encapsulate things like the lifestyle platform, the brands, brands you've created, the stuff that you've done. You know, it's, it's amazing to me to one that you do what you do, you live a lifestyle you do, but then you're, you know, dedicated to teaching other people and bring them along. I mean, you just had 20 some people here for your Western hunting summit, people traveling around from 18 different states where to come to really take part. So that's, that's the tangible version of what you guys do on a daily basis in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Can you explain kind of how, how that came to be? You know, I think people would want to know what is the lifestyle if you would explain to someone and then how did you come to want to teach people? Yeah, gosh. Um, I think, uh, so how do you start on this? It's a long answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long (laughs) answer. Um, as Hill mentioned prior, the, the food waste thing has always been an issue for me. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. Um, like, not many things bother me. I'm pretty chill about most things. But when I see food waste, I know there's out of my garden or anything. And I think that's especially true with if you've grown your own, you pay attention to it yeah. way more yeah. uh, than if you just buy it. If you buy it and eh, it comes and goes, it's cheap. But if you grow your own or you hunt your own, you've you put all this sweat equity into it. Food waste is huge. Like I just, you just don't want it. So you get creative on how to preserve it, dry it, put it up, soup it, uh, make sure that nothing really goes to waste. And, you know, obviously we have chickens now, so <laughs> any waste that we do get hopefully goes out and we, we recover it there. But I think, uh, you know, I've always just enjoyed that part. And it's Hillary that, that is kind of, you know, pushed me into, well, let's show other people how to do these things. Cause mm-hmm. canning, I don't know, it wasn't something I did as a little guy or anything like that, but my dad has always been a big time gardener and I used to repel against gardening. It looked like the biggest <laughs> waste of time. He's out there pulling rocks and all I want to be doing is going catching steelhead on the Skycomish river and, and, um, you know, hunting or fishing. And I just felt like what a waste of time for some salad, you know? <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Yeah. And then it's yeah. true sometimes. Uh, you're like, oh man. And then somewhere, some way he, uh, he, it, like it was, it's in my DNA. So I, uh, I got into the gardening thing and realized it wasn't a waste of time at all. You really just, you fall in love with it and there's so much to dive into and, you know, getting into, um, kind of dialing in soils and, and then you get into this whole other thing of how do you preserve it all so you don't waste any of it because you want to grow more than you need. And um, and then it just kind of, when we started the podcast, it felt like, yeah, why not just like share this thing that we do? Maybe it'll help other people. Um, you know, not just teaching people the hunting aspect or how to hunt better or help adult onset people hunt better, but there's this whole other side of the plate that you got to talk about. And Quite honestly, I get just as excited about gardening and preserving food than I do yeah. about hunting. And so I think it was with Hill's knowledge, you know, she's much smarter than I have been. <laughs> and she's the one that wrote the book for I Pete's sake. I have more of the debt than he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's her <laughs> so that smart. kind of pushes the envelope like, well, let's teach this and let's let's talk about this more. And, and through the podcast, that's kind of what we've done. And um, people have really taken to it. And yeah. it's really cool to see others... You, know, you get all these pictures of people doing their own meal prep and uh, canning and they're excited about it or just starting a garden. And so, you know, I spend nights, hours a night answering garden questions. It's way more that than it is hunting questions, which is 
pretty interesting and it, it was totally unforeseen when we, when we started this, but, um, talking about soils and what to plant, how much you should plant and those type things. Hey, it's Turkey Week, March 11 through 17. Free shipping on all orders at First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store, too. You can pick up all the First Light gear that I wear in the turkey woods, plus so much more, including Meat Eater by Phelps Turkey Calls, which are straight-up killers, and Vortex Red Dots at 20% off. We're going to get you set up for the turkey season. So set up, in fact, that all you have to do is focus on that tom. So head on over to TheMeatEater.com, March 11 through 17 for Turkey Week. It mainly started because I had a job where I was dealing with social media a lot and stuff. And this is kind of, you know, four or five years ago, Instagram wasn't quite as hot as it is now. But there was a really, I noticed, um, a big community of hunters on Instagram, which I found really interesting. And like we had talked earlier, you know, Ryan and I come from very different backgrounds about hunting. And he had so many stories, um, you know, all these animals that you see here, they each have a story and nobody else heard those stories. Sometimes I didn't even hear them because I had a problem with hunting for probably over a decade of our marriage. So he would come home and not even tell me the story, you know? So he was sharing those stories basically with his dad and his cousin, living those stories because he's predominantly a solo hunter. He's quite introverted and I wouldn't call him shy anymore, but he used to be shy. Um, And so sharing things like that, it just wasn't really on his radar. It wasn't like he needed to go out and tell everybody these stories. And, you know, he'd even get these big animals and there's just like no bragging, none of that going on. It was none of that. It was just the experience. And for him, it's, it's just, you know, talking about DNA. It's just, um, it's just part of his DNA, the whole like, hunting and being alone and I don't know anybody that can spend that much time alone and just feel totally good all the time so so I saw this culture and I was like I feel like you should share some of this stuff and he hated social media dude he had a Facebook page that he never posted on and he was like it's such a waste of time I don't want anything to do with that and I said, well, he didn't even know what a hashtag was, like nothing. I was like, well, you got a hashtag. Like, what is a hashtag? Like, this is so ridiculous. And so I said, you know, we're just going to go to a coffee shop on one of my lunch breaks and we're going to sit down and we're just going to open you an Instagram page. And so Stealthy Hunter, it was just, I just came up with this name. I said, let's just call it this because you're kind of healthy. You're kind of crunchy, but you're stealthy, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's quiet and he's, he's kind of scary in a way because he's not the guy that you're is going to come and get in your face. He's yeah. the guy that's going to sneak up on you and you're not going to know what hit you. There was a running joke. So <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, it came mainly because... It sounds because ominous, man. <laughs> a little it, bit. It came mainly because I had... Um, so th- this other job that I had, I had three business partners. They were all men. And we would they would randomly joke about, well, we would never mess with Hillary because we'll just wake up one day and have an arrow on our back. Like, they just had this thing. And like, just don't mess with Ryan. He's super cool, super chill. And you would never know what hit you. Like it would just be done, right? Nobody's, he's not going to get in your face and that kind of stuff. So I just, it was a running joke. So I said, hey, how about Stealthy Hunter? And I wrote his first post. If you want to go way back there in the day, 
I said, this is how you write the post. And I picked one of the pictures I liked that I really liked. And then we hashtagged it. And we didn't have a podcast then. Did it you hashtag just, Stealthy Hunter? Like you knew, like you knew. You I were... don't remember. I'd have to look back. I mean, it was probably super simple. I didn't even really know that much either back then. I felt like hashtags just started getting like huge, you know. So we did that, and then he just randomly would post things, and um, he would post his hunt and stuff like that. And then we decided, and um, we did some train to hunts together, and that was a really big community for us because it brought me into the community. So prior to that, I was pretty, um, I wasn't anti-hunting, but I really didn't care about it, and it really was not on my radar. And I had a, I had a stereotype about hunters, which is weird because my husband's a hunter. Yeah, how, how did it's that work like, for, how did that work for you? You just kind of kept it out of the conversation? Yeah, it, it got yeah. to that point. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because we met at a fishing lodge and she knew like. Yeah, in Alaska. My, my outdoor, like, I just loved it so much. And she knew that about me. And she knew that when in the fall would come around and I would, I would be in the mountains. But yeah, we, I feel like opposites attract and that's kind of why we, you know, work so well together. And over time, you know, gosh, we've been married 23 years. Eventually, you know, it didn't take that long, but we see each other's sides. So she came to see what I got out of hunting and I come to see what, you know, what she had opposition to with it and see so kind of meet in the middle there and um, over time. But it's you know, not quick. And I, I talk about quite, talk about this quite a bit. Like I've been on Randy Newberg's podcast about marriage and, like people think I'm like some marriage authority because I've been able to live with a hunter who, who like hunts a lot. <laughs> Should be. You know, married he's married to me 23 years. He hunts a lot. He's not, he, when I married him, he hunted mule deer in October and turkeys in the spring. Since I've lived with him, I, I can't even tell you now what months he hunts. You know, January was the off month because we can have a baby out of hunting season. Our daughter, fortunately, was born in January. There's nothing in January. You're going to be home. Now he goes coos deer hunting in Arizona. So with Randy Newark, of all people. So it's like... Damn it, Randy. <laughs> I know you're listening to this. started this. this Leave him alone. It's like, it's like, so now, you know, but that being said, I, I, I was not that supportive of it. And, and he struggled with it and I struggled with it. And it's probably more was my upbringing. It was more my misconception. And and I have a whole blog and a whole podcast on my journey of understanding him and understanding that he is not doing it to try to spite me. And that I have to, I had to come to the scripts of like, why is it that I hate hunting so bad? Do I actually, I'm actually a scientist. I mean, I've dissected human bodies. Like, you know, I, I kind of enjoy that type of you know, to me, skinning an animal and do that, it's like the fresh dead animal that kind of freaks me out. But that's because, you know, I, but I, I the, the whole idea of doing the other stuff, it's actually kind of intriguing to me. But I, I think I was, I think I just had that fear. And with him, it was also something that took him away from me. And this is the common complaint you see from, especially young women, yeah. where they just do this thing, like my husband wants to leave me and be with hunting. And and I feel that I wholeheartedly get it. And you can't really tell anybody until they've lived through it long enough to know that that's not necessarily the truth. Now, I will say there's a lot. Men are just more selfish by nature. Randy says this all the time. I mean, he gave our guys this weekend a bit of a lashing on the whole man, the wife and stuff and like what you should be doing. And a lot of eyeballs in there were like... <laughs> you yeah. know uncle randy he always he, he put yeah. us all in our place he always yeah. knows what to, to say it's yeah. good but yeah. but at the same time it's 
it's women. I just always tell the women when I get these emails from young women, multiple children at home, their husband's working all the time. And then on the weekend, he wants to hunt and they're on the verge of leaving him. I mean, since I put that podcast out, it's, it's really common. Yeah. I just say, listen, honey, like either you guys are young, you need to communicate, um, or, you need to just find something that makes you happy because he's doing something that makes him happy. And I know it's hard when you have little children. It just really doesn't apply because you have little children. And this is where I say to guys, like your wife's emotional state is your responsibility. Like if you think that she's going to stay home all week with children, which you say is like the easiest job in the world, it's not the easiest oh, it's job. It's the in hardest the world. job in the world. It's awful. <laughs> yep. If you're listening to this and you're a husband and you're like, no, just take care of the kids. It's awful. It's torture. Yeah. Like, you don't even get to go to the bathroom yeah. by yourself. Yeah. You don't get a shower by yourself. God it's kind of like being in the backcountry. It's like being in the backcountry if you had in the tent or like two crackheads that you never knew what they were going to do and they were just like always pooping everywhere. That's what it's like. Yeah. No and you're like, I'm yeah. going to do something for myself. Good luck. You might get to that a, a week from now. So I just say when you have young family, you have young children at home, your wife is young too and she's not emotionally mature enough yet to, and you're not emotionally mature yet. It's hard. It's just simple and and so find something you love to do, whatever that is, find something for yourself so that you don't, that, you know, now Ryan and I are at an age where um, it's more logistics now. It's more like, okay, well, you're going to leave for 12 days. I've, I've got this. And how do we manage that? Because he's, he's a good guy and he loves to do that stuff. And I, I really don't have any problem with it. My problems are more, I think it comes more to our respect and we have Garmin now, which... <laughs> When we first started this, it was like, okay, see you later. I'll be home in two weeks. And if I don't come back in two weeks, give me three more days. And if I don't show up in three more days, maybe send a search party out for me. Like there was no, like, uh, there's no communication like there is now. So women are kind of really spoiled now. If their guy will invest in that, then they can actually yeah. get communication. That's it. That's essential. Garmin in reach, sat texting. Yeah. You get that app on your phone and that is peace of mind. Peace of both, mind. Both yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we've, you know, so when we started this, it was more like we started trained to hunt. And what happened to me is it actually took other people outside of our marriage that were in the community for me to see that actually this community, and I say community, I just say maybe it's the Western hunting community is probably different than like the whitetail hunting community. Like, I don't really know, but you know, we, we were in the Western hunting community. So trained to hunt, um, common suffering, um, camaraderie, community, and everybody, it was family oriented. Everybody's wives were there. Everybody was cheering each other on. And I was like, wow, these aren't a bunch of asshole rednecks who just want to kill stuff. I, I was like, these are like, I mean, as people are crying at the awards center. and guys are hugging each other. Like, this is not stuff that I witnessed in my husband's life. Like, he has a family that's, you know, just the way the men are. They're conservative with each other. There's no like downright hugging each other. I grew up in a very like touchy feely family. So to me, I always thought there's something wrong with your family, but that's just how the men in his life were raised. That's how he was raised. So when we went to train to hunt, we just, we made friends, we made community. It opened these guys up and it opened me up to see, wow, if Ryan's going to be around people like this, this is awesome. Like, and we needed a community together, which we didn't have before that. It was me in school and my 
very, very liberal, educated academia community. And Ryan worked in the fishing industry. And he was like around dudes all day that fished and haunted. So that was his community. And really, we just had a home together. And eventually, we had children together. And we didn't really have a community together because we didn't know how to blend those two. So Hunt Harvest Health, this is like a really long way to get to the story, but Hunt Harvest Health came out of that experience with trained to hunt. And he said, let's do a podcast. And I was like, dude, nobody wants to hear me talk in the hunting industry. Well, and when I said that, my, my intentions were, okay, let's do this podcast together. It'd be kind of cool to do this thing. But um, really what I wanted to do was bring my community, which I feel like, you know, a bunch of dudes, a bunch of hunters, these guys that want to do this thing, um, you know, they want to do this thing for as long as they can. We yep. absolutely love going into the mountains, but let's face it, a lot of us get these overuse injuries. We have issues. Not healthy. You know, health isn't maybe a top priority, maybe not in the best of shape. Would be at both, they, on they, both ways. They like, treat it like yeah. two weeks prior, do a little bit of hiking, um, like her like her genius is helping people with their nutrition and yeah. helping people um, with their inflammation and be able to live better, a better quality of life. So how about introduce her group or her, you know, intelligence with that into my group and we all want to just hunt yeah. longer. We want it's like that adage what we say, we want to hunt till we're eighty. But we want to hunt this way. This way our way right now yeah. till we're eighty. And so um, you know, she's just so educated on um, health and nutrition and all those things. For some reason, she's become like this testosterone expert through all this. That's because it's all men. It's a like, bunch of guys. It's a majority of men listening to my it podcast. It gets you in the hunting, yeah, it gets you in the hunting I'm industry. Like, why do I have a hunting podcast? If you would have told me 10 years ago I was going to have a hunting podcast, <laughs> I would have laughed in your face. I would have been like, you're crazy. And now I'm talking to like 85% guys in yeah. the hunting space. And it's fun. And it's because- great because the, um, the questions that you get asked, they're asking it for a reason. And prior to us doing this, Maybe those questions didn't get answered. Yeah. So now um, we've made it like her easily available to just ask her questions <laughs> or she can answer questions through the podcast. But I feel like it's benefited our community a ton. And um, I think both sides have benefited. So, well, we yeah. also, uh, sorry, I don't my ma- know. But my master plan was to get her, get her to like hunting. Uh-huh. And then she takes over the podcast. Yeah, and then he doesn't have to do his podcast. Here's now something I think, help. here's something we need to examine. This may help you, Hillary. This may not. Okay. You may have already went through this, but I, I, I did this a little bit in my own life. The first year of my son's life, I was out the door, like doing things I'd never dreamed about, right? Hunts and things. And it, mm-hmm. like I got addicted to it. And I didn't, I knew I was addicted to it, but I didn't care. And I, I would always rationalize it. I'd say like, honey, I'm better when I'm here. If I'm here right. f- less days and I'm mentally, I'm happy and I'm mentally okay. And this, like this weird comfort blanket that's out there that that's, like challenge and it makes life seem easier when I'm here. All of a sudden I'm not mad when I'm sitting at the in traffic on the way to work because it's way easier doing that than it is going a mile and a half down to get water and hiking back up to camp. It's like I had that for a while, but that's a I'm sure you've experienced this and you still experience it. That's a fine line to walk to try to to maintain to say like this is good for me. I need to be out there. I need to be alone. I need to be testing myself, but I also need to be home and I got to balance those things i used to say that you're lucky if you can balance two things you love but that doesn't make it any easier it yeah. certainly doesn't make it any easier yeah it almost takes the spouse like i think 
you know, I knew that I was a better person when I'd be back home after extended trips and some suffering and all that kind of thing. But um, kind of takes your spouse to notice that. You can't really tell them, well, I'm going to be a better person. But that was something they, that when you were talking originally, I'm like, was it a show or tell thing? When, I, I when think you it was her that. noticing it in me. Like I would come back from a trip and mm-hmm. I'd just be, I'd be not so stressed out. I'd be a happier, more loving with the kids, you know, just a better person in general with um, all that energy I just kind of left on the mountain. And, you know, I come from Washington State, you know, we, you're in traffic all the time and you're sitting in line. You feel like you're always in a line. <laughs> and then, you know, long days at work you have to have an outlet or yeah, your home life just kind of is so stressful. It sucks. What's frustrating. I think for the woman is I think if, if most women actually got down to it, it's not that you guys are going hunting. It's that you're going and you're getting a break and you're getting that peace of mind that we don't get. Because when that's what I said, like if your wife is home with little kids, it's totally different. Now my kids are five and 11. They're much more independent. Um, you know, I can tell them to go to bed and go to sleep in their own bed and, and they listen to me. I know we still have problems (laughs) with that, but it's different than little babies. So I hear these women, you know, um, like a patient today, he told me he has four boys under the age of eight. Okay. So imagine his wife and you're going to now say to her, honey, I got to go feel better about myself. This is the only I'm way. Leave. That is really hard for a woman who knows she is not going to get a break now at all for the next five, 10, 12 days, however long you're gone. And she's just like, great. Well, when do I get a break? When do I get a break? And the, the difference with the way women are wired when they have little children is Ryan will always say to me, well, go, go do something. Then I'll come back. You go for a week with your girlfriends. It's really hard to do that when you have one, maybe a baby on your boob. That's really hard to do. Um, if you've got little children, they're into mommy. There's a certain age where they just need mommy. And as a woman, you even feel guilty. So he doesn't ever leave and sit up on the mountain and think, God, I just, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe tell me if you do. I just miss my kids. I got to get back. Is she like paying the bills? Is everything okay? Are the kids being taken care of? He doesn't think like that because he's like, she's got to taken care of. That's how women think. If I leave for a week, I'm thinking to myself, not not much anymore, but when they're little, I'm thinking like, is the baby staying up all night? Is are things working? And and women just we're just wired to worry about our children. And so when a guy says, Well, you can go do your thing, it's just not the same because you know you can't actually physically, mentally actually detach where he can. And that's the hormonal piece of it. And that's why I say I think that's why women if you really want to get down to it. I think that's why they get so frustrated because they just know that's not in the cards for them for a while. And then you keep having them. It's just, it's just not going to happen for a long time. So I think that I just tell guys like, do the simple things. And I said this on Randy's podcast, like you guys think we're really complicated. Like we're so complicated that we need all this stuff. Maybe some women are. I'm not. I'm like, my husband sends me a bouquet of flowers in a picture every single backcountry trip he has. He posted on Instagram, which is a huge thing for me because it's saying to the world, like, I respect my wife. I care about her. And I thought about her enough to, to, to do this. And before there was Instagram, he did it with a picture. 
So a backcountry bouquet or whatever. And that's what we call it, the backcountry bouquet. And, and if I don't get it, I'm kind of like... It is hard to track down a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> I know. Especially you in know this country. Saying? You're like, here's a bouquet of sage. <laughs> yeah. It and smells that's nice. with me. I just, I just think like, okay, he took that time. And, you know, back in the old days, I didn't have that. We didn't have that capability. And he was probably younger and maybe he wasn't even thinking like that then. But me being more open to him going and having the experience now makes him more willing to give me what I want. And this is, this is what I tell gals. is like, if you are horrible to him and you're mean to him every time he comes home and you're in a fit and he has to walk into that mess and he's felt so great and he's so excited and he can't tell you his story, which was me for 10 years, hmm. okay? You're, you're not going to be happier. He's not going to give you what you want because you, you know how human nature is? You keep doing this thing where you think, if I do this, he'll give me what I want. Or she'll give me what I want if I keep acting like this. The truth is, like in my marriage, if I keep acting like that, he just starts going like that. He does not give me what I want. If I give him what he wants, I, I take a step in, which I have a very hard time doing. I am, I am funny in that way. I am a step-in type of person for work. Maybe just the work I do, I, I have a lot of compassion. I'm like this person that really wants to help people. But in my relationship with him... It's hard for me to step in because I feel like, because I'm a woman and I'm yeah. wired like, well, you should read my mind. That's my favorite part. Mm. And he's like, I'm a man and I mind. don't read my mind. You know what I'm thinking. That and the paper towels. Both <laughs> those two things. Boy, what you're describing is my life right now. Like, I think it's every guy's life. I think that's my life right now. And it's just like they, you, I, I always say I have to be good at like so many things. And sometimes when I'm, I come home, like I had a really good day at work. My God, that was the best podcast. So, so many downloads. I'm just, I'm the best. And I get home, I'm like shit. You're not the best, yeah. I'm not the best now. I'm, the, <laughs> I'm actually the worst now. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I walk in the door, and it, that's a tough thing to do. And specifically to like feeling better when you're not there, man. That's that's a tough reality. Or like feeling good when you're not. I mean, feeling better maybe in that way, but like. Finding this outlet that's not with your kids and your wife, that's a tough thing to, to really th to realize. And, but it's like, this is true. And how am I ever going to balance this right? How am I ever going to tell these people I'm better when I'm not with you? Well, how are they ever going to understand that? Yeah. Like, it's impossible to articulate. It is. It's very tough. Part it, of it, too, is you, you always you feel like you're missing someone's life. You kind of have to show it through your actions. Life. Yeah. Like, I, I think I of all think the things I've missed in his life that I was never a part of, you know, that, that sometimes makes me think like, I don't really know him because I've missed all these like really eventful p moments. And like every time he pulls the trigger or, you know, lets that arrow go, like I wasn't there for that experience. Like, I don't know what that's like with him. But now that he's doing films, he it, has yeah. a totally different look on his face when he's on, when he's on the camera, meaning he's in the backcountry. His face looks different. He looks calmer. He, I, like I told Gritty, Brian Call, I told Gritty, I was like, the first time I watched Ryan in a video series that Gritty made, I never got to see those moments ever. I never got to be in that moment where he was like right there and things were happening. I never got to see the experience. And so, I mean, I just texted Gritty and I was like, if nobody ever watches these things, thank you for doing these because it's made me and my girls see their dad in what he absolutely lives for. Yeah. Because prior to this, we just didn't get that experience. Yeah. And that's what you miss when he comes home and he has that glow. And you're like, I missed out 
on that. I don't even know what that is. And you have to be a really mature person to, to be happy for that because it's, it's like this piece of you that's like, he doesn't have that with me. He doesn't yeah. have that look with me. Yeah. And so when I saw those films, I just thought, oh, I, I got to, see, we get to see that now. And um, it's helpful. It's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And uh, You can articulate it like this, say, so many people. And it's kind of like the, the, uh, the trope that we tried out as the American, you know, the, the, American, the American life where I go off to work and I'm miserable right? I trudge off to my job. I come back and I'm, I'm more miserable when I come home than when I left. It's a blessing to say like, Hey, when I leave and I come back, I'm better. Because, mm-hmm. you know, all of us have to leave at, at some level, unless there's quarantine, of course. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, that's something that I've always realized. Like I, this is, you know, you're incredibly lucky to be able to, I mean, both of you, and, and I think my wife and I are the same incredibly lucky to be able to say i'm incredibly lucky to walk out at the door it's like i love this and that's really again back to the i'm trying to balance two things i love rather than balance one thing i hate to the other thing i love and that like that relationship is well i think the lesson and we we've as we've matured in our relationship and what we try to tell couples because this is a really common question you know this conversation we're having right now never got talked about i feel like hunting was this thing and you never saw the spouses. You never saw what the woman was going through. And you, and I tell you now I've gotten so many emails from women distraught. They don't know what to do with themselves. And this has been so common and it's just been ignored. And I think as we've gotten older and more mature, you know, is we just, we just want people to say like, just be hot. Like you just said, like be mature enough to look past yourself and to realize that your partner is fulfilled in their life and they're doing what makes them happy. Because if you see them when they're miserable, how many people complain about their partner just being a miserable wreck all the time and then they start drinking too much and then they start addictions and they make horrible mistakes and they do stupid stuff. And that's not the experience that I have with Ryan. You know, we've all made mistakes. And at the same time, it's like, let's get real about what he's doing and how it's actually affecting our family. And it's all positive. It's all positive. So you have to, you have to be a bigger person to look outside what you're not getting and realize that that person is their own person outside of the family. I'm my own person outside of my children, which can be really hard for children to separate from men have a much easier time doing that. Um, Women don't. And, and I will tell my women patients like, you are actually separate from your children. I know that's hard for you to hear, but someday your children will be grown and gone, just like you were with your parents, just like I was with my parents. And where are you going to be standing? And what is your relationship like with your spouse? Because, you know, hopefully Ryan and I are going to be together long after our children are grown. And I know where he's going to want to be when he has that freedom. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to be because I spent a lot of my older life being a mother and that's a he has this so you know there's different stages of life but I feel like we'll be able to navigate those things because we have a common respect for each other and and that's really I think the word it comes down to a lot of couples don't respect each other men need respect just having worked now with men a lot if you respect a man he'll pretty much like do anything for you. It's just like a friend. If you have a friend who you really respect and really respects you, even if you, your ideas are not the same, 
you'll pretty much do anything for that guy, right? Like you'll carry an elk off the mountain. You'll go help him with his flat tire. You'll take care of his kids if you need to. Like, um, and I think the respect is a, is a, is a big issue. And in marriage, it's alarming how many people do not respect each other. I hear the stories. Yeah. Women do not respect their husbands. Men, they just don't know what to think. How they many may of not them? even respect their wife. They just like, they're so selfish. They're so self-absorbed. It's all about me. And they wonder why their wife is losing her mind and why she's depressed and why she has to be on antidepressants and why she's not sleeping. And people come in with all these health issues. I tell you, 85% of it, you get down to it. It's some sort of emotional issue that they have. And it's usually related to a relationship, whether it's a spouse or a parent or a child. And so these are all things that just follow us through their, through our life. Yeah. And I feel fortunate that we were able to, and, and it happened because I chose to like step in instead of constantly like you fix it. I decided to step in when we got exposed to train to hunt. And I was like, maybe I need to really actually learn more about this. And then bam, I yeah, have a I hunting think, podcast. <laughs> and then next thing you know, that's how everybody gets into it. Right. But bam. there's there's an interesting part of that where there there's hunting is often like the bridge to things. For you certainly it has been. It for me is a bridge to the gardening, to yeah. making stock, to proximity to my food. It was, it was a bridge to this idea that I that I've come to be, think is like the center point of some of the philosophies. Like what's the proximity to the thing that I'm eating right now? Right. Or drinking, or it doesn't matter, consumption in and of itself. But it seems to me like you guys allowed the hunting to be the bridge to a better marriage, better life, to building the lifestyle. We wouldn't be here without <laughs> it because I finally made the decision. I didn't, I didn't like the weather in Washington. I mean, I loved our garden. This is rough here for us, these gardening yeah. here, because... Oh, we just had raspberries. <laughs> we we really had a wonderful life when it came to food. And we had cultivated that for 10 years, over a decade. And, you know, it's hard to leave that. But I had to make the decision that I just wasn't happy in that environment. I, I grew up here in Montana, and I just always wanted to be back here. And so when I made the decision, we need to sell our house, we need to move, he struggled with it because his family's there. His livelihood was there. He was He was kind of a Northwest guy. His job revolved around that. Hunt Harvest Health, that decision that we made, it started growing. Now, you know how podcasting is. <laughs> Maybe you don't, but I'm sure you do because you have yeah. a podcast. It doesn't make you any money. Actually, I would say most podcasts don't make money unless you're a marketing genius or you have a machine behind you. Like you now have Meat Eater, which yep. helps you out a ton. And we didn't have that. It was just like something, it, it just got exciting because people started emailing us. Oh my God, we're just like you guys. And it was like, it, it was in the beginning, it was very, it was like thrilling and you wanted to do it and you wanted to share. Well, it, it brought in that whole community thing. The community. And, and we got all these questions and we got to answer them. And it felt like you were making this difference. You were helping people. And, you know, we realized that we had a great life with with food, a good relationship with food on both sides. It wasn't just meat, but it was all the other things as well. And, um, you know, when you start, like, teaching it and helping people and then seeing the response that comes back, it's really cool. And, you know, when Hillary talks about this, um, this community thing, it did actually take her to see 
these these folks, these family um, families in the hunting community, and how real people they are, and just they're caring. They're some of the best people on on the planet, right? Yeah, agreed. And and uh, it took her seeing those people. It wasn't me, like. No, it wasn't me he to convince her. Me of anything. It wasn't me to convince her that uh, <laughs> folks that hunt and garden and you know have a have this mad respect for food uh, that there's value there. But it took her seeing like our community of hunters that really do care about family, adventure, food, all those different things. Their wives, it, they yeah, care about just, their wives. A, it, you know, <laughs> they're just good people. You need to see that through other people. Yeah, for sure. that was it. You have to have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The community aspect has always been important to me. And I've always said, and I think it's probably true for you guys too, once you're in it, you're like, I'm just going to stay in this. For me, it's oh, whatever the job is, fine. Maybe I podcast, maybe I do something else, maybe I write, maybe I whatever. It doesn't really matter. Maybe I guide it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It's like this pursuit is it to me, it just, I see people like you, Ryan, like it's a craft. Like you are crafting you know, I don't want to say profession because it's not exactly that, but it's a craft. You know, you take years to hone it and the better you get at it, the more you want to do and the and the more you do, the better you want to get at it. So it's just like, it's something that... And that's something that sure. seems rare these days, right? Like with the social media culture, for sure, everybody just overnight wants to be like an expert and they, they think they can be an expert. And um, I guess we probably come from a generation where you you worked and you had a job and you became something because you worked really hard you know when I went to medical school like you couldn't really have a podcast or talking about health if you didn't have some sort of credential but now hey anybody can do it it's even changed in 20 years you know how fast you can suddenly become an expert overnight and I think what people find interesting about people that kind of stay with one thing and people just don't have big attention spans anymore. They just don't stay with things. And so I think the intrigue with Ryan and and anybody else that's maybe even Steve Rinella or you, whoever, like this isn't just like something I did yesterday and now I'm talking about it. It's like this, I'd be doing this if I, if nobody knew who I was, like, this is what I love. And I've, I've learned, you know, we talk about mentorship because Ryan wouldn't be here without his his mentors that he's had in his life. And it's just so hard to find that nowadays where people are willing to share what they know. And there's just not a lot of people around that are willing to put the, the years, the decades into something before they even would consider sharing it with somebody. You know, Ryan's been doing this for 35 years. This is like what he does. And he's just now starting to understand he needs to start sharing it because it's, it's, you know, I think it all comes in stages, right? I think Ben, you probably would agree. I'm I'm guessing when we're young twenties, uh, you're, I, I fully admit I was as selfish as anyone when it comes to hunting. Yep. I wanted less people out there. I mean, I wanted to see nobody. Uh, I didn't want to tell people how to do it or, you know, what to do or where to go or anything like that. But eventually you grow up and you realize, man, this, this, uh, thing that we do has so much value and it's given us so much. Uh, you really want more people and we need it. We need people to understand it these days with where we're at less and less people are exposed to it. So you absolutely have, you have to kind of play your part. If you've done this thing for so long, it's given you so much, you better dang well give it back. 
And so um, we've kind of hit this place where it's, it's really fun and we're looking for avenues on how to get more people involved. It's not just hunting, though. It goes back to the gardening as well. It's kind of this, this lost, I don't know if you call it an art, it's this lost thing. Um, folks used to garden a heck of a lot more than they do now. Yep. Used to be part of their lives. Um, and canning as well. And you're just making your own food and not just going out and eating at a restaurant or going to the supermarket and buying it. And it feels like it's kind of disappeared a little bit, but man, it seems like, uh, the goal should be to get it back because it does have way more value than, um, where we've been heading the last, I don't know how many years. And that's just lose your relationship with food altogether. And, um, and now it feels like like we're making a difference a little bit and getting people to understand like, I think so, man, this gardening thing, you can really dive into it and it's, it's as fun as, I mean, not as fun as a big adventure in the mountains, but you can really get into it. It's close. It's in the uh, ballpark. And you feel accomplished when you get something to grow and grow well, and you get to reap the rewards at the end. And then you can it and you put it in this pantry and you're looking at it. You're like, man, it's almost like filling the freezer with meat at the end of a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's super patient though. Like I am not patient. I've, I've (laughs) matured and I, I'm a fine matured sort of patient person. I'm a future dweller. I'm always, I'm always going for the future. I'm always, what's the next thing I need to do to get to this place? Like go there. He's very present. We actually, that's a lot of where we butt heads. It's like, I'm already here. He's still back here. Like, yo, like we're still here. And I'm like, no, we're out here. (laughs) What can we do over here? Yeah. Hunting does that. I think a lot. Yeah. It makes him very present. And so these things that take time, you know, you grow a garden, it's like it grows the next day. You learn to hunt. It doesn't happen. You don't kill your first animal the day after you go out. Like he's just super patient. And and that may be an actual skill of a lot of really good hunters is that they just, um, they settle in, they become present. And, and that is a skill too that's really being lost. I mean, we just are living vicariously through other people, through, through, media we don't have like this sense of calm i mean even me i mean i used to do yoga i was a yoga instructor and meditation and i really i've really gotten out of that actually being highly academic and cerebral and always having to learn and always having to do this i find myself sometimes just like oh my gosh i can't keep up with this pace yeah you know and the older i get of course it gets harder but i find that's his meditation that's why he's doing it. He's out in nature. He's away from all. That's the other thing. He comes back happier because he has not been around all this stress. He oh, hasn't yeah. been around the phone. He hasn't been on his phone, which he's on a lot when he's home because he I hate from that. home. Do you hate that? When that you come back from like 10 days in the back country and you know and that, that fucking phone's going to turn on and you're like, no, you're like, you know, I know, I know if yeah. I take this off airplane mode, it's going to ding like 50 times yeah. in a row. It's, it's, and then you're in it. And that yeah. whole night you're, you're replying. And, and I yeah. think that's, that's our bigger struggle we have now because prior to this, he wasn't even on social media. So he used his phone maybe mainly for business yeah. and for communication. And now with Instagram, and, and the whole reason we've actually been able to even get our small following that we have is because Ryan is diligent at responding to messages. He, he is diligent. He responds to Instagram messages like he's... I've had to put the kibosh on it some. Like, you can't respond to everybody and, like, you have to sit down and have dinner with us. Like, because well, he'll work all day or he'll be I gone. I feel like and such he... a 
dick if I don't. Was that Newberg's fault? He, I think he told me that one time. <laughs> or so, told one, somebody in our crew, like, hey, how did you really build the thing you built? It's like, man, I just took the time to answer every yeah. single person yeah. that I could because that's really what's important. That's community, right? Like, mm-hmm. the community yeah. is yeah, If that's your goal, important. you know, is to grow this and, and build these folks up and, you know, help them grow as hunters or answer their questions. Obviously, they're not going to ask it unless they need an answer. So... It's very time consuming, but I feel better when I'm done yeah. and I've answered these questions. If they sit there in the requests pile and I don't get to them for a while, these days it's hard to do um, to get to them all. But you just want to help, if that's your goal, every single person that asks you a question. Sometimes they're not the best answers, but do your best and try to try to get them. Hey, it's Turkey Week, March 11 through 17. Free shipping on all orders at First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store, too. You can pick up all the First Light gear that I wear in the turkey woods, plus so much more, including Meat Eater by Phelps Turkey Calls, which are straight-up killers, and Vortex Red Dots at 20% off. We're going to get you set up for the turkey season. So set up, in fact, that all you have to do is focus on that tom. So head on over to TheMeatEater.com, March 11 through 17 for Turkey Week. We get in, into this world where, like, I see other people self-identify. Like, what are you? I'm a hunter. Like, that's okay. Like, you're getting the same value I'm getting. Same value proposition that I have, you have somewhere. Because I've seen it, to your point about the Western hunting culture, I've seen it in Eastern whitetail culture. I've seen it in Southern swamp culture i've seen it in all these different cultures where it's the same idea it's the same self-identity that like this is who i am this is what i do and this is why i'm the way i'm at elsewhere in my life it's kind of this is the center point so when you see that you're like whoa okay let's create more of that because it's a good thing yeah it really is a good thing and for you guys that like there's a million podcasts right everybody knows that but there's room for a million podcasts because for people like you people just want to see themselves represented in the community I think, mm-hmm. I think they want to, it doesn't matter who it is. They want mm-hmm. like in a time where people are thinking about inclusivity, seeing a married couple that's living this lifestyle, talking about it openly, being open about struggles. That's important. Mm-hmm. Like That's extremely important. Yeah. And there's room for everything. Well, it's, it's saved our marriage pretty much. I mean, I just say that in a way that it, it brought us together. It, it brought us a common purpose that we didn't have before that wasn't outside of children it, it, it brought us, so if we have a disagreement or we have something going on, which we have plenty of, we have this common thing now that we have to work it out. We have to figure it out, you know, and that's changed our marriage completely. I mean, me coming into the community and me feeling like I have a community now that I didn't feel like I had before. Um, and him having a community cause he was literally like, you could count the number of friends he had on like that many fingers, not very many. And he was really introverted. And I always felt like he needed more social outlet. Like he needed more friends that, and and we needed more friends together outside of our family unit. And so it just changed every aspect of our relationship together. And then the ability to move to Montana would not have happened without us making the decision to do that and starting it and, the community embracing us because, you know, he had a job where he had a lot of responsibility and he probably would have never left that job had he not seen that what he has to share is valuable. And I 
you know, I got my wish at coming back to Montana based on the fact that we did make that decision and that we worked it out. And, and of course, I, at that point, that I'm I like, why many... didn't I not make this decision 10 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but, but I mean, he, he, Ryan is also like, he's very patient and he's slow. Like he always has been. Like, he, I mean, it takes him six months to research a car and buy one where I'm just like, buy a car already. We need a car. <laughs> so the whole idea of moving here and, and leaving what he knows there and coming somewhere new and, you know, he's not educated like I am. You know, m part of the deal was that I was working part-time because we had babies and I had babies at home. So he was working hard for 20 years. He worked hard and um, never complained. He's also not a complainer. Uh, you will not get complaints out of Ryan even after two or three nights of death march hikes out of the mountains with no sleep. You know, he just doesn't complain. Um, but he, I was seeing it take a toll on him and his health. And I realized that we needed to get out of there for, for that. And I could, my income potential is much higher based on my education. And I could live to more of the potential of that because my children are older. And so we made this arrangement where it was like, okay, I'll take over that for a while and that allows me to live where I want. That allows him <laughs> to get out. And now that we're here, he is so much happier and creative and all the things that you're seeing now, Western Hunting Summit, this is all the fact that we left yeah. and that he is now getting to do what he's done and he's so good at. And so, you know, sometimes it's also... You know, we do have people say like, well, I want to move to Montana. We get that a lot. Like, I want, I want to convince my wife to move to Montana. And how do I do that? And well, it's like, well, you know, you got to give her a good reason. And, you know, for us, it was. Bring her here to visit July. Yeah. yeah. Like June, July. Don't yeah. bring her in February. Family's the hard Bozeman part, in right? The summertime and it's going to be hard to leave. Yeah. And yeah. Stay here. The hard part is family. Women tend to want to be around family when they have little children, right? And leaving their family to come here. And, and that was, um. Sorry, our dehydrator's going off. That's a good... That <laughs> I can ask you about that. Is that one of those meat ones? Meat your maker. Is. is that what Made with meat. Or made with meat. Made with yeah. meat. I'm interested. And yeah. We got uh, leathers going there. Sweet potato leathers. Oof. Cooking. Yeah. Yep. Sweet potato and apple. See, yeah. there's, yeah, there's like... Can was that canned onions? What is that over there? Canned onions. Canned pickled onions. onions pickled spicy Pick onions. Pickled beets. Yep. Yep. It's living it, man. But, but anyways, we could talk about food. this all day. We could talk about relationships all day, but it's, 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 it's transformed important. our life it's and important. the hunting community to me. I will always say now is like, it's a community of really well-grounded people, at least the one that we're in. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that um, they need as they need more help with health and they need more people that are willing to come into this genre and talk to them like real people and not talk down to them. Like, yeah. Oh, you're a stupid redneck hunter. Like you don't know what you're doing. Like that's kind of what I feel. And it's just, you know, um, that's kind of been my purpose now is just to help. You can't help everybody, you know, in the health sphere. Holy cow. You know, everybody's doing everything. So when you go out in my world, my world is like super saturated and people are talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. And, I'll go do a talk at Western Hunting Summit and it's good. But Ryan will be like, oh, that was way over people's heads. Like, but then I'm thinking of my colleagues. I'm thinking about how I want to talk to my colleagues. And then like this year, I, he said I did better. Like I dumped it down more. <laughs> I, like, I made people like relate. Let's give it to him straight. What's important is we want to know how to hunt longer. Yeah. We want to know yeah. how to prevent overuse injuries. Um, and, and that's been a big part of, you know, what she's brought to the table, what 
she's brought to the community and the listeners is, um, you know, for me, I've been very fortunate because I didn't used to be into all this healthy food and all this stuff. I was like, I thought, ah, it's just way overpriced, organic, blah, yeah. blah, blah. That was way early in our marriage. She's obviously gotten me out of that. And then we got into growing our own and all these things. But, uh, you know, I told her at this talk we just did, let's keep it simple. Let's talk about what's going to keep people from getting injured and what's going to help them. Inflammation. We've talked about, we talk about inflammation all the time. I feel like it's one of those things that we should always be trying to fight all with everything through our diet, meals at home, meals on the mountain. That's why we started this whole CBD thing because CBD was like this very interesting thing to me because I'm so into trying to combat inflammation. Yeah. You take you take five, six big hunting trips a year, Ben, and maybe they're long 10-day trips. They're big mountain trips. You're, you're going to come away from that walking a little funny, like in the end. And I used to have like, you know, weeks Let me of stop you real quick. recovery. I, I need some affirmation. <laughs> yoga? We good with yoga? Because I, I started doing yoga. I oh, love yeah. yoga. I was a yoga teacher before I had a massive, horrible bike wreck and wrecked my neck. But yep. I, I think yoga for hunting is key. Man. I think it's so. It's flexibility it you, and like, it's one of the core. You know core... when you're, you're most tired is like on an archery stock, right? You're moving yeah. really slow. Use you're it. in weird positions, like yoga like positions yoga. sometimes. You're like, oh, downward dog, he won't see me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. there is, there's that too, like plyometrics, things yeah. like that, that are, that really are for flexibility. Because when I, we were talking about my trip to, to Nepal, when I started, we had like a month, I'm like, oh shit, we're going in a month. What am I going to do? And I, we kind of landed on plyometrics. It's like, just, if I'm more flexible, dude, if I can step at an angle, if I can, if I, if my leg and my hip can move at this angle repeatedly, if I'm side hilling or, you know, whatever, that's gonna be better for me ultimately than running 10 miles a day mm, at, some, yeah. at some level. That flexibility that, you know. Absolutely. Core strength, flexibility. Yep. Yeah. Those things are huge. And, and like I said, um, where I always noticed, uh, you know, where you can hike 10 miles on a flat trail, it's easy. Uh, if you hike a lot with weight, it's, it's not that bad, but on those really slow stocks where every muscle is strained and you're going snail's pace, uh, in on a stock on a muley buck or something like that, you come out spent, totally spent. Oh yeah. And that's where I think, um, you know, yoga type things help a crud ton. Yeah. So no, we're good with yoga. Yeah. I'm that's good, good with yoga. That's good. I love yeah. yoga. I put that out in the public a couple episodes ago. <laughs> Did you? Got a lot of support from the community, but I'm just, I just well, feel like there's somebody the out there judging me. changing, right? Like uh, my grandpa would have been like, yoga, what the <laughs> hell is up. wrong with you? But now, you know, people are doing it's yoga. It's way more mainstream now than it was. They want to yeah. be functional longer. Yeah. You, you, I don't know what your grandparents like, but I had awesome grandparents. My, my mom's parents are still alive. But when they were like, when my dad's parents were like in their fifties, they were like old. They just, yeah. my grandpa went fishing and he played golf. My grandma had the shampoo set. She like knitted and it, they just seemed old to me. And I feel like nowadays, like, you know, we're almost 50. I feel like you're just starting like, yeah, I feel like that's, you know, it's a different, it's a different time. So this whole thing of like, I don't do yoga. It's actually like people are like, okay, I'll do yoga because whatever I can do to like stay healthier, stay younger, feel better. That should be the goal. Is that whatever should be the goal. It does. Whether you, you know, you feel weird about it or whatever, whatever you can take in as far as foods go yeah. and inflammatory stuff, uh, exercising. Um, yeah. Like I say, we're sure. 46, 47 years old right now. Yeah. 
And there's no way when I was in my twenties, I feel like I would feel this good. Mm -mm. You know, um, I remember the 30 year olds being like, I'll wait till you're 30. You're not going to be running up that hill, you know, like you are now, but that's always, that's always the trope. It's it's like, I'm 40, am I 46 or 46, 46. I don't, I feel better now than I did in my twenties. And I know that was a product of meeting Hill, her helping me with my diet, her getting me on the right sups and foods and things like that, where I don't get that lactic acid buildup. I don't get the soreness afterwards. So I feel as good now. I feel better now, way better now than I did in my twenties, which is great because I want to, like I said, I want to do this for so long. And, um, these big, big trips, are so easily doable now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hiking well, farther than plus where else. you live, man. Yeah. We were I was watching a little documentary with my son the other night about adventure, you know, skiing in France and surfing and who knows where. He said, "The world is big. How could I see it all?" I said, "Listen, don't worry about the world. The Gallatin National Forest is big, <laughs> right? You ain't gonna see all that in your whole life." Like that's that we were talking when you yeah. got here. It's like uh, this Our, place that we live here in Montana. Yeah, it is there's a, it's a playground. There's so much to explore, and it's exciting. And uh, the only way that you're gonna, you know, see maybe not all of it, but enough of it is to be healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You lose your health. Yeah. All those experiences go away. Yeah. All those adventures, all the opportunities to see another basin, um, a whole new mountain range, and pick a direction from Three Forks, Montana. You've got them every Doesn't which matter. way. Doesn't they're, matter. They're yeah. all over the place. Beautiful. I don't need to go to another country. <laughs> I got it all right here in Montana. I was telling I'm you, never people, see it. people ask me, like, what are you doing this fall? Where are you going? I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm like, I'll go over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, we I used see to argue it, you know? about that. That was, used to be one of the fights we had is that, you know, he traveled a lot. He was in Alaska a lot, Russia a lot, and Kamchatka. He worked over there when we were first married for a long time. But I like to travel to Europe. I had a job that would take me to Europe. Like, I like to, I'm kind of a history buff, so I like that kind of stuff. He's like, if you take me into another church, I'm going to lose my marbles. <laughs> like, I can't do it. So he, I would be like, well, you, why don't, you, we need to travel and see the world. And he's like, I could spend my entire life just in Washington in the mountain ranges and never see one a, a second place twice. And he's like, I don't need to be going to all these fancy places because I know like what just even the West, the West alone oh, has yeah. to offer. And a, Montana of course is, is um so it's on steroids know. it's like but yeah. then you get that intellectual property that only you have at least only you share with that place mm-hmm. it's pretty intimate it's yeah. like, dude i'm proud of that intellectual property even if i don't kill shit i know that place now i know there's nothing there and you know and i remember and you maybe you're the same ben is i remember every place i've been to in the mountains I don't remember like a club in Seattle. I couldn't tell you how to get there. The Costco, that, that Costco cannot, aisle is that the Costco aisle with the Cheez-Its? I have he no idea. Drive. Oh, uh, God, I can go to my local market here, and I can't remember where the bacon is, but I can tell you where I've seen like every basin that I've seen a buck, what that buck was. Those type places are special, and there's a reason why I remember. I just it, I migrate to that. The city blows my mind. Like I get lost, <laughs> I lose sense of direction. It's just a, it's just a big fog. Yeah, he's not. But you get into the city. mountains, and um, I don't know. You just get, you, you just pay attention more, I guess, for me. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. It's like you can never see the same place twice, 
and every single place is a whole new area to learn. And I want to learn, like, I want to dial in every little mountain range. And when you're chasing animals, it just makes you learn it that much more. Yeah. And I, like you're the, not just hiking. I think the thing that I like most about where we are as a community, where you guys are with your brand and what you do is it's like hunting seems, when I was a kid, hunting was myopic. It was like, you hunt, you fry the backstrap, you have fun with your dad. Like it wasn't, it didn't, I love my dad. He was a great teacher and mentor still is today. But like it was just, it wasn't even his fault. It was just, that's how it was. But now it's like holistic. All this stuff that we're talking about, mm-hmm. we, we talk about anthropology, zoology, like learn, like how to learn a place, not the, how to learn the natural world. But then you guys bring in, you know, inflammation and all these well, other anatomy, subjects, physiology, right? all the things that allow you to hike the mountain. And even, you know, when you, when you're, you're dressing out that animal, you know, knowing anatomy and knowing Muscle like what you and, have yeah. to know in order to properly do it and knowing how to take care of meat and knowing how, you know, I mean, a lot of people, those skills, like people don't know that stuff. And, and it seems just second nature to you hunters that have learned it, but it's, it's like all, all of anatomy and physiology play into just almost everything. And, you know, with health, it's, you just see so many people just take their health for granted for so many years. And then when something does happen where they're not able to be in, and you know, the statistics are everybody will deal with that at some point in their life. Everybody will have a trauma or a health crisis or something that's going to plague them. And, you know, the question is, have you, I think the other question is, have you had enough, enough adventure in your life to, to, um, maybe get you through those harder times where you're not going to be able to have an adventure. And I think in a lot of times too, it's the will to experience those adventures again, that maybe why some people pull through and others don't, because there's a purpose that you've had where you've seen it and you've been there and maybe it gives you purpose to get back there. And so you have a, you, you may have more of a fighting chance, but like, you know, the films that Ryan's doing with Brian call right now, you know, there was a comment the other night, we were all sitting here having dinner after the summit and Brian read a comment about a guy who had a hunting injury. It was a hunting. It was a gun injury. He got shot in the neck (sighs) and um, he's a quadriplegic. And he said, he just got a tractor, which is a quadriplegic chair that can kind of take them. And, and he said, I just got that. And you know, just watching your guys's video just makes me long for, just being out there. And so he's a quadriplegic, but now he's thinking about, you know, how can I get back out there and do what makes me happy? And um, I think, you know, all of us can be faced with horrible tragedies in our lives and how do we get through that? And I think possibly those, those memories of those adventures in those places might help carry you through, Yeah, you know, and Absolutely. a lot of people don't have that. They don't have those. And, and we see it in the comments and you know, there's a lot of comments from older gentlemen that, that, um, just can't do it anymore. They can't do it anymore. And they're, you can see they're saddened by that because they, they got to, what we're doing now, they used to do. And they got a lot out of it, but whether it was an injury or just age or whatever, um, and you can kind of feel for them through their comments, like this is something they really, really miss. And they appreciate just being able to watch it get done like they used to do it. Yep. I see that a lot. And yeah, that just kind of reinforces that don't take this for granted. Something could happen. Um, that's why every season is very important. Stay healthy, do it to the limit and get as much out of it as you possibly can. Yeah. And you see like how, how for us that, you know, we're always, uh, we talk about this and when I started this show, I'm like, I got to make more hunters. How do I do this? What do I do? And like, it's, they're kind of making themselves at this point. Like you just kind of share what this is and open 
new perspectives up and it kind of they kind of just well too i think makes them totally true i think like for me it's been amazing what i've seen from like what i would have considered my community not being open to this as like they all know ryan and they know how he is and they see him bring this meat home and they're like oh my gosh like and then you know we've had multiple friends that like i went to school they're they're they want to learn to hunt. They want to learn about weapons. They want to learn about the backcountry. They they see this and they've already got that cerebral thing down, the health thing down, and they're realizing there's something missing. Like there's I'm not providing. Um, or men that grew up in the city and they grew up in academia and they did not have a father who hunted or who did that. And they see this and they're just like, well, I really don't know where to start with this, but I really want to try it. So, you know, like, should I get a bow and, or a rifle or what should I do? How do I go about it? And it's kind of bringing the communities together because I think, too, what we're seeing right now in the world is this clash going on that's happening where you know obviously we have all these political issues we have all these race issues we have these things coming up in the world right now but a lot of that experience is partly that people are so there there's something missing that's that's like inside of us that we have kind of let go because we have the conveniences of life like the the common suffering of, of providing for yourself has kind of gone away with the exception of just making money. Like just make money. That's what's important. And that's what we teach people. Like you got to make money you, or you got to be famous or something like just be famous, make a lot of money. But now we're seeing people just like, especially with the COVID thing, like, wow, the food supply chain could be disrupted. Um, you know, simple things you don't think about when life is easy, when things are easy. And it brings people to this place where they realize, you know, maybe I'm, could be much more self-sufficient than I am. And it doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. Sex doesn't matter. Socioeconomic status doesn't matter. Like how do I get to that place where I feel like I am actually providing in a way that is healthy and that I'm not dependent on the system because that's what's happened is we've all become so dependent on the system that it seems almost impossible to think about what that would mean to get out of that. For us, we were really lucky. Ryan had that mentorship. You had that mentorship. But think of it, 80% of the population does not have that. (laughs) (laughs) Come on over. Come on. 80% of the population doesn't have that. So (laughs) it can be quite overwhelming. But we've noticed a huge influx, even just since COVID happened, of people asking those questions. I'm sure. Right? And how do we how do we do this? How do we start canning? What do we buy? Like, just stuff like that. So um, jars first. It's I think it's helping. We we just love that our communities were kind of brought together, and it, it decreases a lot of judgment and and your self perceived notions of what you think is right. And people start to realize that you know we're kind of all in the same in the same show. Yeah. And how much of that, how much of that system is actually making you happy? Like how much of that is contributing to your happiness? The system that it makes things easier. Is it really making you happier? Probably not. It's that struggle we're talking about that makes you happier. Trying to figure out how to grow a tomato in the plains, (laughs) in the plains of Montana. is real. That's real. Where we're at. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Well, we'll let you get back to these two little ones who are visiting us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everyone's hungry. It's a party. Yeah. I probably got to get back to mine. There's somebody, somebody crying in my house. I can hear (laughs) it from 30 minutes away. Well, thanks guys for doing what you do and, and being a voice for very important topics. Well, thanks for coming out. I really appreciate you coming out and seeing the place here and having us on, Ben. Yeah. We're going to have 
have to go uh, beat ourselves up in the mountains. Absolutely. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. You're welcome. That's it. That's all. Another episode in the books. Thanks to Hillary and Ryan for having me in their home, which is a pretty beautiful home. I'm thinking about moving to a farm, uh, Phil. Yeah, you, you don't like the uh, suburb life? I don't really like it at no. all, no. No. Um, no offense it's to my got, neighbors. It's got pros listening. and cons, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not great. Um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not great. So we may have the, the THC Regenerative Ranch here in Bozeman before Ooh, long. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I'm really been thinking hard about it. So if anybody knows of any properties that are uh, for sale for about 50, 60 grand, I'd like to get, you know, 20 acres like that mm-hmm. say so, you know whatever let Good me know luck. let me know <laughs> so i got a little i got a little money to spend maybe we can get a sponsor or something you never know yeah. it's all about sponsors here uh-huh. uh all right well what did you learn phil give me something what'd you learn from hillary and ryan what are you going to do better i told my wife she has to respect me <laughs> you know i don't think you I don't think you, you took away the right lessons from i the went home and i'm like respect me <laughs> <laughs> and she threw me out. Uh, Can I sleep at your house? I mean, it's it's. I think a lot of just the typical stuff you hear about marriage counseling. It's a huge, huge communication aspect. Be yeah. honest uh, and give as much as you take. Um, I mean that that goes a long, long, long way. It does. It does. Well, um, I'm gonna. I want to address a few things. There, there's a couple things that have been kind of circling around my head. Um, so here at the end of the show, I want to address a couple of things, um, and I want to see where your head's at too, because it's gonna it's gonna set what we're gonna do in the months to come. Um, there's some issues I want to cover. We talked last week about the New Zealand tar call issue. I'm, we're gonna cover that in a future episode for sure, uh, top to bottom, hopefully. Um, but there's another thing that keeps that obviously is prevalent in our society and should be more prevalent in our conversations here. I'm going to read you a little bit, an excerpt from a long email from Daniel Lucio. Hopefully I'm saying your name right, Daniel. From Austin, Texas, my former stomping grounds. Um, And this is going to be important, so you're going to have to listen up, Phil. He says, Recently I've been incredibly disheartened and disappointed by y'all's response, or lack thereof, to the national conversation around Black Lives Matter and the cultural shift that's happening in our country right now. As you may know, the history of land conservation in this country is inextricably tied to racism and white supremacy, and many people in the hunting and fishing communities are hungry for discussions about how to come to grips with this history and move forward with the things they love. Despite your ostensibly moderate views, you don't seem to have people on your programs that challenge your perspectives on this issue. There are plenty of people who could be on your show that believe in fishing, hunting, public land conservation, and responsible gun ownership, while also believing... We should be questioning our country's racist history and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. That's from Daniel. He wrote a long note, uh, which I responded and asked him for some suggestions for who he thought we should have on. Had a little bit of a back and forth with Daniel. I appreciated, um, although he was, you know, tossing out some fairly harsh criticism, he was also pretty cool about it. Just like, hey, man, this is what I think you ought to do. Love the show. Appreciate it. If you're ever in Austin, I'll buy a sandwich. Whatever. Like he was was very reasonable in in the discussion. So I would just say, and I've and I will preface all of this by saying I've gotten plenty of of notes from people pressing these buttons and asking for more. Um, and I and as I did tell Daniel, and then as you well know, I think about this a lot. Um, we've talked about it. We've talked about it over multiple episodes. We did it. We were proactive with it. 
prior to the current unrest and the George Floyd situation. We've talked about it since. We had Charles Rodney on to give his perspective and his story. Um, we talked a little bit about it with, with Matt Best and, and Crispy, Omar Avila. So we've talked about it. Um, I know you think about a lot this a lot, Phil. Do you have, like, what's the future of this conversation? Is there stuff you'd like to see that you or hear that you haven't heard? This is just basically a meeting. We're in a conference room and the people are listening. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm full, I'm fully on board with that email. And I mean, I, I think I stated this to you and I think you, we got a voicemail from one of your listeners that it felt that the, when you said that you talked about it with Crispy and Matt Best and Charles Rodney, even if this wasn't the, I mean, obviously this wasn't the goal of your conversation, but it, coming off of that conversation, what I, I, I felt the vibe was just kind of like, uh, you know, just, you know, be nice and pull yourself and, up and, by pull, your bootstraps. That's the line, and everything will work out just fine. If everyone would just do that, it would be great. Listen, <laughs> and that's just, un, I feel like that's unrealistic. Um, I mean, and uh, while obviously, like, I love your conversations with with Charles Rodney, but that's just one perspective. And I sure. think I'd like, you know, I think having more on would be incredibly interesting and beneficial. Um, yep. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't want it to. Uh, I, and I feel you don't want it to be for this to be like a reactionary thing where you're like, well, we should just have on some some different um, black guests uh, because of the current. Yeah. situation in, in 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 the country is you don't want to f- make them feel like tokenized or anything but at the same time i think i believe representation is incredibly important and that hearing different stories especially on a podcast like this is uh, really fulfilling and important to do well it's important uh, much as we joke around it's important that your your perspective is important because it comes from it doesn't come from this insular idea of what hunting is what the industry is because a lot of times inside the industry, you feel like you're inside looking out at the world, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're inside this group of people and you're looking out at the world and you're also kind of like playing the game where does this benefit me to talk about this? If I go deep and if I ask these hard questions, is am I going to get canceled? Am I going to get fired? Am I going to get – is there going to be an email sent to me you know, that says this isn't the right way to handle this or you said something wrong or you misstepped? And I think that, that partly was what aggravated me about the Matt Best – about many people's reaction to what Matt Best said. I get I get the critique. Uh, I understand the critique. I just feel like he was expressing his worldview. Um and he was doing it in 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 a fashion that was you know meant to be uplifting. I get that that doesn't match other people's worldviews. I get that. There's there's opposing viewpoints on how to deal with things and then what realities are out there within these these now loaded terms of white supremacy and systemic racism and things of that nature. Um and so I, I did write Daniel back and I said, listen, man, you, you be prepared at some level to be made uncomfortable with where we go with this because I certainly – I'm not going to do this without challenging narratives on both sides, all sides, and saying like what really is going on. But I got another email from uh, Aaron Towsley. He sent me a link to a blog and he said, I think it's a good thing if not painful that there's a cultural reckoning of heroes like Teddy Roosevelt and John Muir that have been turned into myths – and are being shown to be real people with flaws just like all men and women. And this is in, in – um, we talked about this with Carolyn Finney 
in episode 89. And again, I go back to that, and I told Daniel this as well. I go back to that. I mean, that, I feel like that's the one of the better – I don't know that I can do better than that in this moment. Not saying I won't try. Not saying that we're not going to continue to kind of work through some of this stuff. Not, not to say we're going to just empty all our baggage out here and try to figure out what's there. Um, but as I, as I listened to it back a couple of times and I thought about it, I'm like, man, we're going to try to do better than that, but I think that's the best I can do approaching it honestly, saying like, I'm not real sure about all this, but I want someone who's experienced it to tell me what they think. And then, you know, we can all learn together, hopefully. Um, but the blog that, that Aaron sent me was entitled No Heroes, The Racist Legacy of John Muir and American Conservation. It was written by somebody named Caitlin Schneider. Not really familiar with her at all, but she she goes through John Muir as a naturalist, um, the kind of the mythical naturalist that he became. President Teddy Roosevelt obviously is a mythic figure within conservation within our world. Um, I you know traveled to the likes of Jim Poswitz's house. He has a whole bookcase um, that that talks about Teddy Roosevelt, and she has a long writing here talking about how that these gentlemen were want to wax poetic about nature, but also want to be racist as well, which we talked about with Carolyn in, in episode 89. So what do I say about all that? What do I think we ought to do? She, Caitlin, in the at the end of this article says, uh, she says this, I had planned on visiting Yosemite for the very first time this summer after relocating to California just before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. I wanted to camp out under the stars, shoot the shit with friends, and bask in the majesty of its vistas. Instead, I'll stay home and bask in many stories about bears, coyotes, bobcats, and deer who are reclaiming the park from invasive tourists. I look forward to someday seeing what inspired Mir so intensely, but for now, I'm okay staying away. The place was never mine to have anyway. And she's referring to um, the environmental movement, the national parks movement as a whole has a racist history filled with everything from erasure to a lack of diversity in academia to eugenics and white supremacy and, of course, larger systemic issues like the Sierra Club's own anti-immigrant history and then those figures she mentioned. So that, that's, that's a very wrapped up, um, very complex, very American story about how we address these figures, how we hold up all the good they did and how we explore all of the, um, in this case, relatively awful things that they did in their life, their beliefs as a whole, rather than um, take some of the history and parse out what we like and and kick out what we don't like. So we're going to continue to talk about that. I just wanted to acknowledge all you listeners out there that have been emailing in and asking about this. I'm definitely thinking about it all the time, um, as many of you are, and we're not afraid to address it, and we will continue to talk about it. Um, And hopefully that this little... um, this little conversation in an outro is, is certainly, in all conversations we've had, episode 89, all the episodes with Charles Rodney where we talked about this. We talked about this with Steve Rinella last fall. Um, we talked about this this year a bunch, and we'll continue to talk about it. We're not going to just talk about it when there's riots or protests. We'll just keep talking about it until there's a better representation of all races and minorities in hunting and people feel like they're reflected in this community. So that's what I want to do. Um, Phil, do you feel like that's like, I would just say my goal is not to make my opinion known all that much is to say, like, I want people to see themselves reflected in what we do. 
So I like I I uh, there's a bit of rejection of token tokenizing someone because I would much rather err on the side of someone seeing someone like themselves who thinks like them in our world and being feeling more comfortable given that idea than me being worried about whether I'm taking someone who looks different than me than holding them up for some mm-hmm. personal reason. So that's kind of where I land on what we're going to do in the future. So I just wanted to address that and let everybody know, Daniel included, Aaron included, Phil included, that we're thinking about. We get it, Phil? Right on. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii, where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content, a lot of great offers on turkey gear at TheMeatEater.com, and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at TheMeatEater.com.